Yo, what's up, baby? This is Burt Watson, and you're listening to Pro Sports Podcasters, baby. The best sports podcast on the internet. The only one I know. Your night, your fight, you need to get it right and listen to Pro Sports Podcasters all night long. Boom! We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm one half your host today, Justin Williams. And you know, I'm never alone. Today, I have the man, the myth, the legend, the one that knows everything about NFTs. And if you're not part of So Rare, you should go to prosportspodcasters.com. Check out whatever Kobe is saying about it, because Lord knows this guy knows what he's talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the man that makes me sound good, Colbert Durand. Kobe, how you doing? Fantastic, buddy. Been having a lot of fun with Sora lately, but today is going to be a little bit about UFC Strike. A little bit. Oh my God, this whole conversation is about it. We have a guest today, ladies and gentlemen, who when I found out we got this guy, I was like, there's no way you're talking about that guy. Like, it's a different guy, right? Because I'm a UFC fan since Kobe introduced me, man. I've learned about Chuck Liddell. I obviously listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. I'm a huge fan of Glover Teixeira. May his career, obviously, he just retired, but you know, he was the oldest champion or one of the oldest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the man that actually got to corner this gentleman. Ladies and gentlemen, the man that I am so happy to talk to and an honor to have in this podcast, John Heckelman. John, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. Thanks, man. I'm good. I'm just karate guy, you know, just living like uh, like I'm a cross between uh, probably Mr. Miyagi and, and Richard Simmons, and I just, uh, that's my lot in life. Is that what you teach at the pit, the online dojo? No, the online dojo is, uh, I'm a little more serious. I'm more like the... Miyagi, you know, Mr. Miyagi, martial arts, you know, but I, the martial art I teach happens to be Hawaiian Kempo, which is more of a, you know, a, a mix of everything, as you can see in the cage. That's my martial art in action. Um, but, you know, the, the Richard Simmons comes out more where I'm teaching a class. Do you guys remember Richard Simmons? I don't, but maybe. <laughs> oh my god! I, I, I do. Justin's a how young is this guy? Justin oh is a youngster. God. Oh my uh, god! Yeah, I'm, I'm just a baby. Okay, you gotta go, you gotta later when we get off this, go do YouTube and check out Richard Simmons. <laughs> anyway, what else we got? Uh, I mean, well, in moving forward, I mean, you cornered Glover Teixeira on the most recent UFC event. Can we talk about that real quick? Like, what was what was that experience for you? Um, I mean, everyone is the same, but different. This one was a hard one to watch, you know, mm -hmm. um, it was hard to watch for a lot of reasons. I hate to see my guys fighting and getting hurt at all, much less, you know, hurt a lot. He was, you know, he, he was cut a lot and, and, and it was hard to watch that, you know, at 43, he just, yeah. you know, he kept coming back and coming back. So tough, you know, you don't lose your toughness with age, but you do lose a little bit of speed. And, um, um, he, just, he just wasn't there, you know, and, and it was hard to watch, hard to watch and let it keep going. But it's, it's a tough sport. You got to realize that as a, as a coach, you know, I, 
I like to stop fights when my fighters get hurt. And uh, this one, you know, for a lot of reasons, wasn't just wasn't. It was you could tell he was getting hurt, but he wasn't. He was mainly a lot of it was superficial, even though you know there's a lot of blood, but. So it was hard to watch. It was hard to watch and, and not throw in the towel or stop it. And, and, and that was, you know, and then when it was over, I was glad it was over and he's okay. And so it's a whole thing when you, when you corner a fighter, especially when you're that close. I had Glover since 2002. So I've had him for over 20 years. And, and when you have a fighter like that, it's kind of like family, you know, a lot like family. Yeah. And, you know, watching, you imagine watching when your kids get hit, he's the same age as my daughter, you know? So it's just, it was hard to watch, but you know, I had, I had, I had that feeling, but I also had a immense amount of pride in knowing just how tough and how, what a warrior he was. And he is when he wins or he loses, he's, he's a, he's a, you know, quintessential warrior. And, and you, you saw that, uh, this last, you know, this last fight. And, you know, I wish it came out the other way, but it didn't. And he still, he still walked out of that cage and can hold his head up and, and know that he is a unbelievable and without a doubt, uh, a warrior, right? He is indeed. He's an inspiration to all. Now, yeah. did you know about his retirement plans or was that kind of yeah. after you did? No, he planned it. Win or lose. Win or lose, he was going to go out. That was it. That was his last fight, win or lose, yes. And Oh, my God. So what was that like going in for you then, knowing the secret that the world didn't know? Uh, it was it was a relief, but it was also kind of nerve-wracking because um, if he won, um, yeah. they would have – you know it's hard, to, it's hard to go out winning a title. So he would have won a title – and one so it would have been hard really hard to retire and i was like oh shit he won't retire if he wins there's no way mm -hmm. um but we'll never know now and and that's the only silver lining to him you know or to the fact that he lost was um i think he'll stick to his retirement plans a little more and and that makes me really happy that he's i think he's done everything that he has to do in mma and I'm, I'm glad he's going to go out and, and, you know, conquer the world as a trainer and an instructor now and, and, and as a husband and as a man. And he doesn't have to, you know, step into that cage anymore. Did, uh, did Glover bring the title back to you? When he won it? Yeah, did he bring it back to the dojo? Oh, the, the belt? He, he, the belt was everywhere. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody does. At least he didn't wear it around like uh, <laughs> like uh, Tito used to. But I love Tito. But it, I mean, it's a it's kind of a WWE thing. But you know, Glover yeah. did. You know, he let everybody see it and touch it. And he, he's he's Glover is one of the. He's like the Pied Piper. You know, with kids, he's like kids love Glover, and and it's. It's, it was amazing having him there, as it was with Chuck. Chuck was a, you know, he was, he was, he brought the title back and he brought his belt around all the time too. So my, my, my students are lucky. They, they, unlike most martial arts schools, you know, just a regular martial arts school, we start at three years old. I mean, we have, you know, kids, we got adults, we have belt programs, you know, we have Christmas parties, Halloween costume contests, Easter egg, 
you know, coloring contests. So we have a full on, you know, karate kid type dojo. So to have a world champion, UFC champion there, I mean, everybody gets like when they walked in the door, people are like, oh, they, they get all, you know, starstruck, but they're kind of used to it now. Oh, there you go. That's uh sounds like you have a community, not really a dojo anymore. It's just like a village yeah. that lives. You're the mayor and everybody has to train in order to live in that village. We call it Ohana, which means, you know, I'm from Hawaii and that's what they call family in Hawaii. So we call it the Pit Online. You know, the, the Pit Online Dojo is in Ohana. And then my gym in 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 Arroyo Grande um, is, is a in-person dojo, uh, Ohana. So, yeah, we, it's much more than just a regular martial arts school. It's definitely a family. That's brilliant. So you mentioned you started this, this gym. You, you teach Hawaiian Kembo. It's basically yeah. it's a base Kempo, right? No, no, it's not. Close. It's it's a base it's a base of Kaju Kempo. Uh, Kaju Kempo actually stands for uh, Karate, Judo, Jiu Jitsu, Kempo, and Boxing. And it was a it was a, a system of martial arts created in 1947 in Honolulu, Hawaii. Uh, basically, it was created by five martial artists. And they put all their techniques together to make a, a street uh, effective martial art because there are so many different techniques that aren't street effective if you watch most martial arts. So what they did was they took all these martial arts and they skimmed out the things that wouldn't be effective for the street, and they or there wouldn't be yeah, and they took it out, and then they just left in everything that was for street, and then they added a really tough mentality to it. And one of their sayings, which is written on most of the dojo walls, the, the workout isn't over unless there's blood on the floor. So they, they're known for training really hard and, and fighting on the street. They weren't, they weren't a bunch of really, uh, I don't know what to say, like Miyagi-san like, uh, Miyagi guys. They were more like, you know, they, they, they went out there, they like to fight a little bit. Hawaii, Hawaii locals like to fight. They just like to scrap. And um. So that's what that was started with Kaju Kempo, and that's my first art that I started training when I was, you know, nine years old in Honolulu, Hawaii. And then when I came out of the army, when I got out of the army, I opened a gym. So I didn't want to call it Kaju Kempo because I don't know, it's not that wasn't mine to call it. So I I renamed it Hawaiian Kempo. So, so were you that. the first? Were you the first trainer to bring it to the mainland? No, there's a lot of people that brought Kaju Kempo to the mainland. In fact, it's a huge fa- uh, family tree right now. It's like takes up one of my walls in my gym. But I, I'm the first guy. I came up with Hawaiian Kempo. So Hawaiian Kempo is what I came up with. Because there's some things in Kaju Kempo I didn't want to keep. And I didn't want to call it Kaju Kempo if I'm not going to do it 100% the way they did it. Yeah. I thought it would be untrue to them. So I named, I just took the, I just took the name I'm still, I'm still at, uh, they have a ninth degree black belt in Kaju Kempo, but I started Kaju, I started Hawaiian Kempo back in 1985 after I got out of the army. Okay. So this is back in the eighties. So this is previous to the UFC, but essentially it is a mixed martial art. Yeah, it was, it was a mixed martial art, but it's not mixed martial arts. Mixed, it was a mixture of martial arts. Um, and all street, no, no forms, no katas, nothing. 
um, just stuff that will work on the street. And we've specialized a lot in takedown defense because we like to stand and we like the striking, but we knew already that people were going to try to take us down. You know, especially if you punch them in the face, they're going to run right in and try to attack you to the ground, just like most street fights. So mm-hmm. we worked a lot on uh, takedown defense even then, you know. So, but mix, but people that call it mixed martial art, it was the first mixed martial art. And it's kind of a misnomer because MMA, mixed martial arts, is a sport, period. It's a sport with specific rules. And, and it's not for the street. It's for the cage. Yeah, you can use it for the street, just like you can use boxing for the street or kickboxing or even football. A good tackle could mm-hmm. you knock someone out real easy. But MMA is a sport. So our, I consider our style a mixture of martial arts, but I don't consider Hawaiian Kempo an MMA, if that makes sense. It does. That that makes total sense. So how did the gym's association with the UFC begin? Um, Chuck Liddell. Um, I was teaching this way, and and then I moved from L.A. to where I live now, Central Coast, uh, near Pismo Beach. And I, I put a gym in my backyard, and it was uh, I would just train people. And it was rough training. We sparred really hard, and we, you know, it got kind of a well-known – a reputation around town. We got the pit logo, people getting tattoos, they wear pit jackets and stuff. So people are like, kind of like, what is that? You know, so it was just in my backyard. I was working full time as a registered nurse at the prison. So uh, um, people were like, what the hell is. So Chuck found out about it and he challenged me to a little sparring session. So me and him had a sparring session and he decided he wanted me to train him. So he had no ideas about fighting or anything. He just he just loved martial arts. So we started training together, and next thing I know, he just started getting real good real fast, and he wanted to compete. So we got him in some kickboxing matches, and then right about then, MMA started coming around, UFC in particular. And he loved going to Vegas. He loved training in Vegas and, and fighting. And a lot of our fights were in Vegas. So one of, this, one of the guys just said, hey, there's this new sport. You, know, you used to wrestle in college, and you're a great kickboxer. Do you want to try and do this sport, you know, you know, UFC? And it, it, it already had started, but not it wasn't huge yet. But, but Chuck knew about it. He had seen it on pay-per-view, and he's like, yeah, I'd love to get into this. So that's how that started. Okay, cool. I love those little kind of behind-the-scenes stories of, of Chuck Liddell and just kind of anybody from – that sort of era. Um, do you still train with Chuck? Does he come around often? Uh, no, we, we, you know, not really. He doesn't, he, he, he probably trains and I actually helped him set up a gym in his garage and that's pretty much what he does now for training or he'll, you know, go around and do, uh, appearances and work out at different places. But no, he li- actually lives in LA. We just went to his birthday party in December was his, uh, was his birthday. And, um, yeah, you know, we talk on the phone and stuff, but he'll come up here once in a while. We'll go hiking, but you know, as for the most part, we're just like you know, family that's moved into different cities. Okay, uh, what's a kind of cool Chuck Liddell story that might not be popular in mainstream world MMA that you'd be willing to share with us, if there is one? 
Oh, there's a lot about Chuck. Um, <laughs> Good. Chuck, Chuck was Chuck was uh, Chuck was a bouncer and a bartender actually when I met him, a bar- bouncer and a bartender. You know, he was a bartender, but of course, any place that hired him wanted him to be a bouncer too, just because he would jump over the bar if a fight broke out, and he'd be the first one there, no matter who was technically bartending. But one day, a bunch of Navy SEALs were in town and started started a ruckus at one of the bars and um chuck jumped over the bar and he, i can't remember the guy i think the guy was one of the well-known um you know navy seals because there's a lot of navy seal movies and shit that came out but I, I he he jumped over the he jumped over the bar and he cracked one of them in the face i can't remember which which one it was but that was one of the old uh, stories then everybody you know they came it came in later because, you know, the Navy SEALs did so much war hero stuff. So, you know, the, you know, the Navy SEALs are like, I mean, they're like gods, you know what I mean? But there was that one day they came and picked on the wrong, started, started a fight in the wrong bar. That, <laughs> there you go. Chuck was known to, uh, uh I was going to say, did you tell that story on the Joe Rogan podcast? Just Chuck was, had that reputation. I don't know. Probably not because, because I don't know. I wasn't, that was like three hours, but it was a it, it it passed so quick. It was like he told me it was going to be about three hours, and I was like, "Oh shit!" We're in. <laughs> and next thing I know, he's like, "All right, we got ten more minutes. Yeah, we're wrapping." Uh, <laughs> and you're like, "What the hell?" Yeah, um, yeah. It really it really passed quick. How did you get that invite to the JRE? Uh, a call, probably. I have no idea. It's it probably a call. I mean, I know Joe, you know, just from the fights, but I don't. We weren't like buds or anything, so I love the guy, but I, yeah, we weren't close, so I got a call and asked. Oh, look at that. Maybe he'll give us a call one day. Are you ready to stay fit this winter? Get off the couch with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Sign up now to their mobility and movement program. Use the code PSP15 to get 15% off the one-time purchase of the program. Then it's yours forever. No additional subscriptions or fees program is available worldwide now back to the show something i want to ask you about john is at least in my opinion one of the greatest advancements in mixed martial arts as far as the athletes go was crossfit and you were a big proponent of crossfit when it first came out correct yeah 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 I'm, I'm, we're actually to this day we're we're a crossfit affi- a gym we're a crossfit gym so we're still if you go to you know if you go to crossfit.com and Type in our, our zip code or our, our city, we come up as a CrossFit, even though we don't call our gym CrossFit. I'm, I love CrossFit and I love what they've done. And, you know, Greg Glassman and I worked together a lot way back when I was like the, I think I was actually the third affiliate. Now there's like 10, 20,000, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I was like the third or something. Yeah, you jumped in real early. Did, did CrossFit become an important part? Yeah, but there's no real CrossFit back then. It was like it was his. It was a, like a garage gym in Santa Cruz, and and no other affiliates at that point. And then uh, and then um, you know, great. I don't know. We we connected online because we we had the same kind of training mentality, right? Because uh, um, I've always been doing. You know, I got I got that in basic training when I was in the army. I. I I love the training regimen of the calisthenics and the this and the running and the this. So I brought that into the pit early on. 
And um, I think he heard about it and we started talking or he called me and I went up to Santa Cruz and I was their first combative guy. So I brought in, you know, and I learned a lot of stuff from them. And I started mixing, mixing up their CrossFit. To me, their CrossFit is too long. Like the workouts are too, if you have another sport, I don't, I just, I don't think CrossFit, the way they do it is a good idea. I think there's too many, there's too many, you're going to get injured and you're going to overtrain. You know, the CrossFit workouts of the day are, are made for being the workout of the day. Not one of the workouts of the day, but the workout of the day. And so I, I wanted to cut things down. I didn't like a lot of the overhead stuff, like overhead squats. I just didn't think that was really uh, functional for a martial artist. Okay. So I had long talks with uh, I had long talks with uh, Greg Glassman, and he goes, I, "Yeah, I agree. Let's start a new thing. Let's call it Cross Pit." So I said, "Okay, that sounds good." So you know, so what CrossFit is? We take a lot of the philosophy of CrossFit. And I cut down the workouts because most MMA fighters are, you know, grappling, wrestling, striking, sparring, hitting the bag. I mean, they don't have time for a Murph. You know what I mean? They don't have time for that stuff. And they don't have the, the energy. It's like overtraining. So we add stuff into our uh, training. Like I have one called R&R, rowing and wrestling. So they row, you know, they'll, they'll row X amount of calories. And when they're exhausted on the rower, they roll off the rower and someone gets on top of them in a mount position. And now they got to escape the mount while they're already ex- exhausted from the row. You know, and we do a lot of bag work with burpees and then bag work and then burpees. And so I want people tired and then working. I have people tired and then grappling. I want to exhaust them in a neutral way like burpees or rowing or some or, or an air dying bike and then i want to put them in a position a fighting position where now they have to throw these you know throw these techniques while they're exhausted there's no other really a good way to make someone exhausted in martial arts training without without doing that i mean the only one other way some people say and eh, i just say spar you just spar their way into shape that's how you get brain damage, okay? If you spar as hard as you do your burpees, you're going to have you're going to have you're going to you won't be able to fight. You'll be you'll be cut and you'll be brain damaged. So, getting someone exhausted during sparring, it's not a smart idea. Mm-hmm. So, getting exhausted, getting someone exhausted doing burpees, then letting them spar, you know what I mean? Uh, it it it, it kind of mimics the exhaustion of a fight without taking the damage of a fight and grappling grappling jiu-jitsu is the same way oh i'll just grab i'll just roll my way into shape then you're gonna have you have a dislocated shoulder torn labrum (laughs) torn rotator cuff so you can't wrestle and grapple that hard all the time like you would in a fight in training or you're always going to be injured so you 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 get them exhausted on a on a neutral you know, body weight or, you know, or machine. And then you throw them into a precarious position that they're going to get into in a fight and make them work their way out of it, not only using skill, but while they're exhausted. 
Would you say it's these philosophies that led to the like a long career, like what Glover Tessera had? It's, it's that kind of philosophy that led to it. Definitely. Oh, definitely, definitely. Glover, Glover's, yeah, Glover, Glover, and, and Cormagee's conditioning. I mean, Cormagee hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been, you know, fighting as much lately, and he hasn't been out there. But if you look at Cormagee right after, like his Ultimate Fighter finale, which he won, and then his first four or five fights, I mean. His conditioning, you know, won the fight. I mean, he was like, you know, he would get stronger like Glover does each each round. And I think a lot of that has to do with their philosophy, our philosophy and training. So your online course, does it encompass that? Yes, definitely. So it's a mixture of both martial arts, but there is a heavy emphasis on on physical physical fitness, physical activity. Yeah, and I and I consider that as much of a martial art as any other aspect like my martial art has four you know four aspects to it and one would be striking one would be wrestling one would be grappling one would be crossfit or physical fitness and they're all just as important as the other because once you run out of gas you're done i don't care how skilled you are how strong you are how fast you are how powerful you are once you run out of gas you're as you know. You're as good as a, a race car that's run out of gas. You're completely useless, and most fighters will you know run out of gas real quick unless they have that anaerobic metabolism. Good point. Good point. So that's that. What would you recommend to somebody who just recently got into MMA, like watching it, but is thinking about joining? And they want to fight, or they just want to train. Maybe we'll start for training now, and then we'll branch off. I think if you could find a good MMA gym that's open to the public, that would be great. There's not many of them. So many of them are just – so many guys have to train at a Muay Thai gym, and then they have to go to a, a BJJ gym, and then they have to practice wrestling somewhere because usually there's not a wrestling gym. So most gym, most people – and then they go to a strength and conditioning coach or they do some kind of strength and conditioning somewhere else. So, you know, we, I think it's better to have them all in one and you can seamlessly go between striking, wrestling, grappling, and conditioning, but at least have them in the same facility. So if you could find that, that would be best. And if you can't, you know, then, then you would, you would have to train specifically and, 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 you know, separately Muay Thai and then BJJ and then maybe work on your takedowns and takedown defense online or some find a gym that does it. But if, if you could find an MMA gym, like, like, uh, ATT in, in, in coconut Creek, right? Most of their guys are fighters, but they do have classes too, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of gyms do have MMA uh, training for non MMA fighters just to train MMA. So, I would look for an MMA gym, number one. If you can't find one, look for a Muay Thai gym or a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gym. And that's the next best thing, but not as good. <laughs> All right, <laughs> young kids out there, I hope you're taking notes. To switch topics just ever so slightly, have you heard or seen of this new, I don't know if you want to call it sport, but the slap bet thing that's happening or slap whatever competition? Yeah, it's just... It's yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's brain damage. We just, just <laughs> like, you can say, no, you can say, like, fighting, 
like people are going to get hit a lot, maybe even more than them. But nobody's getting hit with someone standing there just saying, okay, hit me as hard as you can now. Mm-hmm. At least they're trying to defend themselves and minimize the contact by rolling with the punch and moving their head out of the way, etc. But to stand there and let someone rattle your brain, rattle your brain for no other reason but for someone to rattle your brain, I, I, I see no reason for it at all. It's It's... If it's not the dumbest thing in the world, it's probably top three. I think Dana's uh, hitching his wagon to it, so I don't know, man. We'll see what happens with this. But I remember reading on some. I love Dana. I love Dana. Yeah, I I can't understand why he likes that. Money, money. It boggles my mind. It boggles my mind. Yeah, yeah, but but it boggles my mind that he (laughs) likes it. But uh, yeah, what I was going to say there too was um, I was reading a, a blog post where MMA fighters were talking about it. And in that, somebody was saying that this can't be a sport because there is no defense. Like basketball, you have defense, football, you have defense, whatever. MMA, you have defense. What do you have for this slap thing? Like you tuck your chin in a bit? I don't know. Like what do you what do you have for defense? Squatsky. Exactly. Your defense is, is, is – I, I don't know. Yeah, you can't because you can't move. You can't bury your chin. You can't do any of that because that's the rules. I mean, you – you have to keep your arm a certain way, your hand a certain way, your chin a certain way, your face a certain way. And it's just who can get more, who can survive more, you know, more, more rattling of the brain. And that can't, I mean, it's just, that's a, that's a no win down the road. I saw one guy get dropped and he was like, he was, he had brain damage right there. He, he was on the ground stiffening up. You know, he was like, it, it was a brain damage that just happened. It's like he wasn't fighting for a world title. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't showing his skills. He just let someone hit him and put him in a coma. Uh, how much are they getting paid? I don't know. Do you know? Uh, it can't be enough. I, no, it's not enough. Like you, if I had to do that, if somebody gave me a price, I'd be like five hundred million dollars, one slap. That's it. Because if I go brain dead, my family can at least live well. Yeah, so I would. I, my family's not probably not as high maintenance as yours. I'll say three point <laughs> five tax free dollars. I would do it. But anyway, same thing. We got the same the same idea, right? Yeah, my number. Yeah, go. that's my number. Three point five tax free, tax free under the table. But yeah, it's crazy. I don't understand that sport at all. But <laughs> but with that said. Yeah, let him know. And I, if I talk to him, I probably won't. Cause I love Daniel. We have a, you know, we have a good relationship, and I don't want to blow it by putting down his slap fighting contest. Wow, I just I can't imagine. I mean, how do you train for that? How do you train for it? Seriously, you you, you don't. You drink. I mean, like, that's, that's how you train for it. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Okay, I was going to say, apparently having a beard is supposed to help you uh, absorb a certain amount of punishment. So there you go, Justin. Just you got a beard. You're good. Beard. You're good. Uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, you know what? That, that, this is for chicks, too, so they're going to be at a disadvantage. <laughs> I, wonder mm. if they test, I wonder if they test for steroids. I doubt it. Ask USADA. Shit. Makes a big, it would make a big difference. But it's not sanctioned, right? There's no sanctioning body for this, right? There must be. It must be. The, the, the state athletic commission, the state athletic commission specifically, they want to get involved in anything that has to do with 
contact to the face. Like you can do a karate tournament and not, and the commission has nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. But if you do a kickboxing tournament or any kind of contest where there is face contact, the commission wants to be involved. They will be involved or they'll shut you down. Maybe Vegas is different, but that's the way it is in California. I know that for a fact. Okay. So I don't know. Well, no, enough of that. I don't want to talk about slap fighting. <laughs> okay, so, John, is there anyone that you've noticed coming up, whether it be in your gym or another gym, but somebody new coming up that you can expect to see great things from in mixed martial arts? Well, I got two. I got one guy named, named Jackson Henson. He's uh, one of the greatest wrestlers, freestyle wrestlers of, of our era. Well, I think a year before me, he's a little younger. But he won the silver medal in the Olympics. Then the next year, he won the world championships. And he's a coach now, wrestling coach. And his son is named Jackson. And he's training with me now. He, he's going to be, you're going to be hearing about him. And then we got, I got this um, female fighter, Gabby Lopez, who, who hits like a guy. Doesn't look like a guy. So I don't want to get that, get in trouble there. But she hits like a guy. And, and I see her coming up too. But. Um, other than that, out there, it's, you know, obviously Alex Pereira is coming up and there's so many great fighters right now. It's, 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 uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you watch Izzy, he looks unbeatable. Then Alex stops him for the third time. There's that, you know, and then now we got this, uh, you know, we got Jamal, Jamal Hill. He looks, he looked pretty damn unbeatable there, you know, and then, but then so did that, uh, you know, the other guy that, that, that just won, the, that gave up his title, right? Mm -hmm. Yuri. So, I mean, there's so many great guys just, you know, just coming up right now that, that are, that are going places. I love watching, uh, I, I love watching Kevin Holland fight. I love, you know, Wonderboy Thompson. I love, there's just so many great MMA guys right now and so much more than there was before. It's just, they're so adapted now where they're good at everything. So, so those are my those are my picks. Now in that fight versus Glover, I think that's got to be the best Jamal Hill I've ever seen. I did not. I actually picked Glover to win that. To be honest with you, and were you surprised by what you yeah. saw in the cage? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was in a lot of ways. I mean, but there's the you know the X factor is you know not taking anything away from uh, um, I'm not thinking Jamal, but as many times as Glover touched his chin and his face. As, and got a hold of him to drag him to the ground at 43 and all the wars he's had mm -hmm. even recently fight of the year. I don't think, I think it would have been a much different fight. Um, Cause it wasn't like Jamal was, wasn't touched at all during that fight or taken down. He was just touched and taken down by, you know, a, a 43 year old Glover with that said, you know, um, his skills and his power and his, his everything, your takedown defense, everything showed me that he's, he's, you know, I mean, he's the real deal and worthy of being a champion without a doubt. No, nicely put, man. Nicely put. Justin? That was articulately whimsical. All right, John, before we get you out of here, I've <laughs> uh, got a few kind of silly questions for you. First one, where can our fans reach you on social media? Instagram and uh, Twitter 
pit underscore master. And then from there, they can find everything else. <laughs> Good. Um, next question. Have you ever had a poutine before? This is a Canadian dish. No, I can't even think. I know I've never heard of that. No, never heard, never heard of it. So poutine is cheese, curds on top of fries and gravy. It's delicious. Huh. Now, hold on. You've been to Canada a few times, right, John? Yeah, I've never, never, I've never, I would, yeah, I would, I've never eaten that. Oh. That sounds ex- absolutely, that sounds absolutely gross, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when you say Canada, is that, is that a, is that a French Canadian dish or? Yes, it or is. Or like uh, yes. Edmonton, Alberta. Okay, yeah. French Canadian. I spend more time on like Calgary and Edmonton and, but I've never, I've never had that dish. Sorry. What else? Give me a, give me a crazier question. <laughs> Have you had a beaver tail? A beaver tail? Never. Is that something perverted? What is that? <laughs> no, it's a delicious that treat. Like, that sounds like it should be in the urban dictionary. Like, like a, what do you call it? It's definitely a, it's like a dirty Sanchez or something. It's a dirty Sanchez or something. No, okay. Oh, I went behind the uh, bush last night and she gave me a beaver tail. Oh, my. Now, John, I, I got to ask. So, w- with a nickname like the Pitmaster, tell me you, you got a kick-ass barbecue. Hey, <laughs> does, that's why I can't have the pit, uh, the pit.com or pitmaster.com. Because <laughs> it's all because taken? fucking barbecue guys have taken all of them. <laughs> It's all taken because of barbecue guys. That's right. I'm the only gym with a gym a name called the Pit. Uh, I'm the only Pit man. But every barbecuer in the fucking world, <laughs> I hate barbecuers now because they've stolen my identity. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcast's experience, where no sport is left behind.